Hey everyone, this is Michelle Hensley with The Edge of Grace. Make sure you follow and share us so everybody that is looking for information on recovery has the opportunity to obtain that. We're going to share all of our links with all of our guests that have appeared on our Facebook page. Subscribe and follow. Just do it. It's recovery. It could save somebody's life. Share, follow, sponsor. We need sponsors. Thank you for sharing all that. Yeah, of course. So I have all these questions rolling around in my head. Of course, you know, I knew David before yeah, I knew you. So I, I had the opportunity to work with your with your brother and loved him dearly. Yeah. He was just, he was a presence. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely, yeah. You know, I when I would do tours at Hope Center and we talk about, we go past and there's an, a wall right next to your office mm-hmm. that has pictures of him yeah. now. And we just talk about how much he loved Christ and, yeah. and his joy. Uh, he was just yes. such a fun, outgoing person. So you actually came in and became associate director, which was David's role mm-hmm. before he passed. And you're a completely different yeah. personality type than oh, he yeah. was. And so tell me tell me a little bit about that transition and how, how that was. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, Dave was so fun. It, and, you know, the dynamic, the sister-brother dynamic we had was me always being like, Dave! You know, like, because he was, you know, saying something or, or doing something that, you know, was um, just, I don't know, like, not professional or something. But he when he was at work, several people at work have told me that he was very professional he at was. the job. But, uh, yeah, that brother-sister thing, I was always, you know, trying to keep him in line a little bit. But he... Yeah, he had a huge heart. He had a huge faith, which was awesome. Like he was just, he's almost so many things that are similar to my dad, like just this huge, like dreamer faith, like, well, yeah, let's ask God for this. And if God can bring us 100 churches and let's pray for 200, you know? And so just this big thing of, um, I'm often like very practical in nature and like, okay, how are we going to do this? Where, yeah, he, he was the big dreamer for sure. He was the larger sure. than life, yes, right? Yes, yes. I heard some of the stories about, well, we don't have $2 million, but we'll go ahead and offer yeah, $2 million. Yeah, <laughs> He was like, who does that? We don't have $1 million, Might as well offer him two. Right. And, like, I don't know. It's, and it worked. I know. It's crazy. <laughs> it's like, they got it. Yeah. And, and Dave, he could do the best impressions. Like, oh, my <sighs> goodness. His impressions were hilarious. And so... Even now with like movie quotes and everything, like I still know all the movie quotes that he loved to quote and he did such good impressions of. So yeah, I, I know he he's always he can make anyone laugh just and he loved making people laugh. It was it was fun to work with. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> and and you've been great to work with too. Um, one of the things that I I do want to make sure that we talk about is, you know, the opportunities of being at the Hope Center, how that's tied into your girls and their mom. Yeah. And kind of that component, because we just created Hope Community, uh-huh. um, which is a floor for trans, it's a transitional floor for women coming out of institutional recovery programs. Mm-hmm. And their mom is now there. Yeah. Like yeah. she's <laughs> been released. Yeah. And here you are running this program that's going to be able to essentially help her get on her feet. Yeah. So that's got to be amazing. How, how does that feel? What is, 
Yeah. Tell me more about that. Yeah, that's yeah. So she did end up getting released a few months earlier than what her release date originally was, but it was still um, right after the girls finished high school. So um, that was such an an interesting thing that literally she got out of prison almost the day that the girls had their last um, high school class. And, um, and so, yeah, we were able to work together to get her to come there and, um, to, to be in the transitional part. And, you know, obviously she had been in prison for, um, I think about five years at that point, maybe a little bit longer. And so there was a lot of things that she needed help with and, um, that she was concerned about, worried about getting. And I was just like, no, we've got that at the Hope Center. We've got clothes at the Hope Center. We've got hygiene products at the Hope Center. Like we've got a room for you there, you know, and, and so that was something. And so it was so funny. I don't know if I told you this, but I was in the prayer center when the correctional officer brought her to the Hope Center and I saw the van and somehow she saw me through the uh, window in the prayer center. <laughs> so I run out to the van because at the time it's like um, I didn't give him a good description of which door to go through. And so then I had to like point down and, and run down to the other door to to meet her and um, to help her to come in. But yeah, I mean, just imagining that, that first day of being out and of, you know, walking into a beautiful, beautiful space and you had helped create a lot of those beautiful spaces and, and just that, that transition period, you know, she had to find a job and everything. And so that's, but yeah. And, and, um, and honestly, the girls have done really well, and she's done really well with it. And she and I, you know, still text each other all the time. I mean, I don't, I don't get to see her every week, but I mean, I do quite a bit. Most weeks, I get to see her. Of course, she's working full time, so she's at work when I'm in my office. But yeah, it's been beautiful to be able to, to be able to do all of that. And looking forward to, even more when she has more freedom to be able to do more things at my house or to take the girls places and everything. At the beginning of this, we were talking about this big news that yeah. you shared with us <laughs> that you're going to be grandma to your second grandchild. Yes. yes. And so I was there when you got the news for the first one. Yeah. So how old is he now? He will be one on March 4th. So what is, what is grandma life like? Yeah. Is that as hard as mom life? Is that oh, as no, great no. as everybody's? Yeah, no, it's much better. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but well, it's hard because I work full time, you know, right. like, which most, or a lot of grandmas do, but you know, so I wish that I did have a couple of days or something that I could just babysit full time. But thankfully she's been able to, she's been doing online classes for Ivy Tech. And so and, and she has been working um, at McDonald's too. But anyhow, there there were a lot of times where she didn't have to have a babysitter because she was just doing her class online. And he is like the best baby. Like he's such a good baby. And yeah, so he, he really cooperated well. But there's definitely been a lot of Saturdays where I offered to help or Sundays if she's at work. Um, and of course she comes over, or she'll spend the night. It, she's just back and forth. So some weeks she's there all the time. And then other weeks she's just there once or twice a week. So... So they both graduated, uh-huh. and they're moving on with their Ivy lives. Techs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so are you thinking about continuing to foster, or have you had more thoughts about what? Oh, I've had a what, lot of thoughts. Yeah, yeah had a lot of thoughts. Forward? So one of their friends is actually staying with us right now. So um, that's that's what I'm uh, putting my energy into a little bit right now. But yeah, so I, I'm, I have thought a lot about when to start fostering. I've actually started the process like three times and then just haven't finished. 
And so, yeah, but it's on my heart to do it. I don't put any limits on God of, of what age the kids would be or how many or anything like that, but it's on my heart to do it again. We'll just see the timing. But um, like I said, I've started three times, just haven't fulfilled it yet. So, filled it yet. yeah. So you actually ended up adopting these girls. I, I heard you kind of use the foster and adoption yeah. interchangeable, but you actually became their legal their guardian. guardian. Yeah, yeah, yes. so. yeah. So most um, foster care cases, um, either like 75% of them end in reunification with their biological family. And then like about 25% end in adoption and actually with us it's like less than one percent end up in a legal guardian position or situation and that's what we did but that's just what was best for their family at the time and it's what was going to be the fastest way for them to stay with me so um so it would have taken longer for them for me to adopt them and I don't think that's really what um, everyone in their family wanted necessarily um but in order because the state of Indiana was trying to close the case it's just about resources you know they're just trying to close the case as fast as they can um they were going to have to send them to a biological relative if that didn't happen and so by me volunteering to take legal guardianship of them then that just solved the thing for everybody so you, um, moving back to the Hope Center, you now work with your dad again. Mm-hmm. So didn't you say you used to work yeah. with, him, with the church? Yeah. yeah. And then him and David, they went to Hope Center Indy. Mm-hmm. And then here you are working with him again. So what is that like? Yeah, we worked together at the church for seven years. Um, and I was very angry with him when he left. I mean, not really like, you know, I knew it was what God had asked him to do. But, but it was, yeah. But anyway, so I do enjoy working with dad, definitely. Um I, yeah, he's such a, he's such a big picture person that I have to sometimes ask him to, to slow down. Um, (laughs) but, but it's been fun and, and he, he definitely is a a comforting presence. Um, when we're trying to, when I'm, when I'm not sure about what to do next or have questions about things too. So yeah, I love working with him and, and my rule of thumb too is when I was at the church, I didn't really talk to dad about work outside of work. And so, yeah, we still kind of practice that. Great. I just, yeah, that's kind of how I am. I, when I'm home, I want to be home. <laughs> yeah, because it's not just you and your dad. You have another sister that uh-huh. works there too as well. Yeah. So mm-hmm. uh, Rachel is running the, the boutique. Yep. The boutique. Mm-hmm. So it's it's very much a, a Nolan family. Yeah. And my adventure. sister, Sarah, was a res tech for, I think, two or three years. Mm-hmm. So she just um, kind of retired a little bit and focused on her law career right now. But uh, and then my mom is also mentoring some women. So and Doris is and Aunt Doris is there. <laughs> yeah, quite a bit. Yes. Yeah, it's kind of yeah. been a family function. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Mm-hmm. So um, I want to touch back on the depression. Okay. So this entire series and all the podcasts and everybody that we've talked on, we've we've really been focused this time on recovery and and coming through some of these obstacles that everybody faces. Mm-hmm. I, I think that, you know, there's definitely still a stigma stigma with mental health and with recovery. And when you when you mention recovery, a lot of people kind of get stuck on that idea that it is substance abuse, but it's really not. Mm-hmm. It can be for a gamut of different situations. And in your case, you know, you touched on um, that depression so much so that you were contemplating suicide. Mm-hmm. Um and, and I think there's another stigma that people think that, you, you, 
know, you have to come from a different, a certain environment or that you've, you know, that comes from being low in life or from not having things, but that really wasn't the case with you. Yeah. Yeah. With the suicide. I mean, you hear you, you're, you know, pastor's daughter, you have a great life, great relationship with. I mean, I loved everybody, every, and I felt loved by them too. So it was, it, for me, it was more just that I didn't have the strength to keep going, you know, like, uh, that's, that's what it was about, that I didn't have the strength to keep going. And, uh, it wasn't that I hated anyone or even hated my life. It wasn't that it just, I didn't feel like I had any strength. I didn't, I didn't have anything more to give. So that's kind of, I think everybody comes at it from different places, but that's where, that's where I was. Were you able to share that when you were going through that? Were you able to share that with people or was that something yeah, that you kept I s- hidden? I slowly did. I mean, obviously that's not something um, you want to share with a lot of people. Um, I was actually pretty open about it, but it's just like I didn't want people to feel he- – I didn't want them to feel burdened by it. Um, so I did end up telling my dad during the time. And I um, – yeah, there were a couple friends I told too. So, I mean, what is that conversation like? How do you come to your parents and say, I don't want to be here anymore? Well, I think it was more of like, um, it was more of just like, I'm really struggling so bad that I almost want to kill myself, you know, and that these thoughts are hovering over me. So, I mean, I never had a, a plan in place or anything like that. So it wasn't, unfortunately, I had thought of ideas, but I, I didn't have any plan in place. I didn't have anything written down. I, so it wasn't... Um, you know, some, I hadn't gone that far and I didn't want it to go that far. You know, it's just that you just, you just daydream about what if I wasn't here anymore? What if this pain would stop? Yeah. But yeah, I think it is important to tell, to tell at least one or two people (laughs) to tell people what's going on and to keep, and to keep fighting for something and to keep finding things that bring you joy. I remember hearing someone say that she, as now she's like in her 60s, and she was saying that she wishes that her kids heard her laugh more when she was younger. And so it was just like, okay, Mary, like you need to intentionally do things where you can laugh. Not, you know, for my girls to hear, but also just in general, like just do things that make you laugh because you you are going to have burdens in the world. Like you just are. But, um, yeah, but but you have to laugh through it sometimes. And and I mean the medicine really helped. It really did. And not to say I wasn't still discouraged about some things afterwards, but my physical and my mental energy were night and day. So hearing your story, I can't help but think that all of the things that God put you through mm-hmm. or all the things that you went through um that God was preparing you for your role at Hope Center mm-hmm. because it's difficult. I don't know that people realize how difficult it can be to work in recovery and work with women, especially coming out of trafficking. Some of the, some of the things that you've had to learn very quickly working at the Hope Center. And I can't help but think that your, your things that you've been through in your life have helped prepare you for that, I guess is where I'm getting to. Yeah. Well, I, and I think that, um, and when I teach a class with the residents, I, do share with them a little bit about my journey of depression because I, if they're feeling depressed, like, man, I like, it's not hard for me to imagine. Like, even though I don't maybe relate on several other instances in their life, like I, you know, like, man, I, like I advocate for them to, man, if we see someone who's in a depressed mode, like what can we do to help her? You know, because I, I know what it is at least for me to be, 
at that level, at that weakness and of knowing I have no strength. I have no mental energy. I, I cannot, you know, I just can't like I, you know, and so I think that helps me to hopefully be empathetic. So now that you're at the Hope Center and you've been there for a little bit, we said about a year now, a year and three or four months. Yeah. And and you're settled in. Yeah. (laughs) I say that they, they've been open what? Four years, five years now? So the first resident came in 2017, so it would be three and a half for residential. So they, you know, had a little while before, or almost a year before the first residence. So it's still fairly new. Absolutely. So you walked into not only grieving the loss of of your brother, Mm -hmm. but you walked into this new environment, 210,000 square feet. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, How many partners? Oh, goodness. I mean, we say like 30, but I mean, I we would need to count. Yeah. And there's over 100 churches that are connected. Yeah, 115, I think, right now that have helped. So yeah. easy job. No yeah. problem. You just walked right in and, and you guys are creating all that. What's going on at the Hope Center now? Mm. What are you What are you doing there? What does that look like? And and how is your role now? How are you? Are you settled in? And Yeah. So one of the things that's been so helpful, as I've told you, is um, we worked with somebody named Dale Cooper who is an EOS implementer, and so that's um, Entrepreneurial Operating System. And um, he's really helped us to work from the foundation up to get everything organized and to get, um, yeah, things things in place and to put all of our issues on the table and to work through them, um, prioritize them. Uh, we have 90-day rocks, and so we've got to get things done in 90 days. So I actually have two weeks to get my um, last two rocks for this 90 days left. So, But I'm like... Like, that's my focus, you know, because I got to get them done. Um, And so I I think for me, like, all of that is such foundational work that um, will continue to help us be better, better organized, uh, better staff health um, culture, better um, communication across the board. And as people come on to become new partners, we'll have more things in place or more things established for that. Yeah, I think when people hear about the Hope Center, they they automatically think of the the trafficking yeah. program, which is the SOS program. Uh-huh. But there's actually it's actually more like a hospital that's full of different ministries. Yeah. So the trafficking program is just a portion of mm-hmm. what goes on inside those walls, mm-hmm. and you kind of help head all of that up. Yeah, so we're we're really blessed to have um, Grace House, which is the Adult and Teen Challenge. Um, adult women's section of Indiana at our, on our campus too. So we have their residents and their staff there. And then we're very soon going to be um, adding another ministry called New Day. Um, that's going to be a 30 day rehab program for adult women. Um, plus we have our SOS program and our Hope Community program. So we've gonna, we're going to have four residential programs um, all operating to serve women. And, um, you know, a lot of those women are going to be survivors of trafficking, but some of them might just be coming through addiction or any other life controlling issue. That's awesome. So I want to just make sure everybody's got the information if they want to hear more about the Hope Center, because it's this very divine, beautiful place. Uh, it used to be the Marion County home. It's a yeah. gorgeous campus. You now have, um, opportunities to get married there you have the freedom yeah, barn, the freedom barn uh-huh. which is gorgeous you and guys they do outside weddings too outside weddings mm-hmm. and then there's the greenhouse during the summer that does uh plants yeah it's spring and summer yep and the boutique yep. which the boutique now has 
three locations. Three locations, yeah. one in Morristown, one in Irvington. Irvington. Uh-huh. Um, so there's lots of things, lots of moving parts. And how do you guys do all of this? How do you make all of this happen? What do you need? Yeah. Well, well, um, as you mentioned, the giving engines are the, the event barn and the greenhouse and the boutique. We have a coffee shop and a hair salon in the boutique as well. And so um, my sister likes to say shopping is serving. And so, is serving. yeah, so, but like they really are, uh, it is a fun, like kind of girls night out or girls day out, I guess. Um, if you'd like to just have some friends to come, bring over and shop or look through um, our gardens, we do have a prayer garden. Um, that was something my brother designed. Yeah, that's and where I was married. Yes. And so that is beautiful. Not so much right now because it's the winter and every, all the flowers are dead, right. but um, when in the spring uh, and the summer, it's just absolutely gorgeous. So, um, yeah, we'd, we'd love for people to, to just kind of come and, and see those aspects of it. Um, we also give tours every Saturday at 1030 a.m. And then also um, if you RSVP, we'll, we give them at 530 p.m. on Thursdays. And so we like to share all the stories of what God has done on these tours. There's and a lot. Yeah. A lot of stories. Yeah. yeah. And so we really want it to be faith building. And it's not... We're not trying to toot anyone's horn. Um, like it's not about my dad. It's not about me. It's not about any one person in, in particular. It's about what God is doing there. And it's about his heart for the women. Um, because all of this stuff is is showing God's heart. All of these provisions are showing God's heart for these women. He's wanting to really um, bring freedom to them. And so we do have the goal for these given engines that I talked about for the boutique to become 50% sustainable just from the giving engines. And, and it's awesome too, that these giving engines can employ our residents. So like the boutique this year has employed like five or six residents. And, um, that's been really wonderful employment opportunities for them to learn, to be able to add things to their resume. And, um, yeah, it's just a joy all around. Yeah, you, we talk a lot about the residents, but you guys also help the community yeah. around you. So the David Nolan Food Pantry was birthed last year? Yeah, uh, October of 2019. And so, yeah, oh, they gave away half a million pounds of food during 2020. Yeah. So they that team is working really hard. And I that's one um, something that's on my part of my responsibilities is to help Michelle Gambrell as she oversees that is to, you know, talk about how can we grow, how can we make it um, the best we can for that team. And then there's also the prayer center. Yes. So is yes. that open up to the public yet or? Yeah, it is. Um, I mean, obviously we couldn't have like big groups because of COVID, but like, um, yeah, absolutely. We love for people, if you're interested in praying, um, to come onto our website, we have different prayer requests and that you can be praying for, but we have a Wednesday night prayer meeting and then just other people who are praying during the week as well. So come in and actually just sit in prayer yeah. in the mm-hmm. prayer center. Yeah. I've seen that. And it's, it's. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah. So if I'm interested in volunteering, how would I get involved with that? What would I do to become a volunteer at Hope Center Indy? Sure. So I would say first you're going to want to come to a tour um, because that will let you know what our values are, what all we have. You know, if you wanted to help with housekeeping, which is there's a lot of carpet to vacuum. There's a um, lot of carpet a in lot that of place. Carpet. Um, if you want to help with the greenhouse or if you want to help with landscaping, all those type of things. But I would definitely say a tour is a really great place to start. But the website will give you some information. If you are interested in volunteering, uh, there's a place for that on the website. And also if you're interested in bringing a group to volunteer, you know, right now because of COVID, we do have some regulations. But sure. 
but yeah, we, you know, we love for groups to be able to come in and do a project, whether that's landscaping or if they wanted to do a long-term project to be able to actually adopt a room and um, remodel something. Yeah, I, w- I want to just spend a moment on the adopt a room programs because that's been huge, and that's one of everybody when we do the tours. Yeah. That's one of everybody starts to ask about those questions. How do I how do I get to do this? What is this about? So, in the beginning, you guys actually um, had a lady that said uh, the campus didn't look the way it does now. Yeah. First of all, uh-huh. um, it was very much college dormitory style with the twin beds, and and you had a lady that said, "Hey, I want to decorate one of these rooms." Uh-huh. And so the adopt a room program was created can you talk just a little bit about that so people know what that is because it's not just rooms anymore it's not spaces right right? yeah absolutely yeah so it began with um people adopting a bedroom and then just completely remodeling it and so you know the first groups they came in and they wanted the women to know any any resident who was going to live there wanted them to know that they're valued they're loved that people that they never will meet care about them and that they're worth caring for. And so uh, what's cool is that now, after all of these spaces have been adopted, all these bedrooms have been adopted, they all are so unique. And so it's just fun to be able to look at different ones and their, their different color schemes. And we do probably still have, you know, like after, just kind of like with us, after you do something in your house, like five years later, you need to update again. Um, So we've got a few rooms, a few bedrooms that probably need to be updated, but we, we now have different spaces in the building. So some people have adopted laundry rooms, which has been really nice, right. but also like living area spaces. And, um, I'm, I'm still trying to work on somebody to adopt the dining room and cafeteria. Um, but Absolutely. yeah, there's other spaces that people have adopted to, to make them look beautiful. And then you, there's also, of course, donations. There's a place on the website where you can make direct donations. Yeah. Um, that's always needed to help support because the women, don't pay. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that was something that we wanted to do was be able to allow the women to come into the SOS program for free. Yeah. So they get to stay with you 15 months if they want to mm-hmm. up to 15 months. Yep. Absolutely for free for all of this program, which is phenomenal and, and unlike anything in the country yeah. I've seen so far. It's great. I can't thank you enough for coming in and sharing everything. I adore you and I love the Hope Center and I hope that somebody out there gets to hear this story and that your story will touch them and other people will get to hear about the Hope Center and, and hopefully come in and tour and see how, why we love it so much. Yeah. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. It's been fun.